0: This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm. This podcast is Shareable. I'm your host, Jeff Gibbard, commonly known as the world's most handsome strategist and professional speaker. I'm also a superhero. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single Shareable episode. And that's it. That's the intro. Short and sweet. Let's get to the show. Today, my guest on Shareable is uh, the owner and head of coaching for Axiom Coaching. 20 years of experience working with people from all walks of life, ranging from professional athletes to teenagers, to soccer moms, all with the same mission to help them gain access to their power and experience joy. I'm super into that. Today on the show, we have Pablo Ambrosio. Uh, He is uh, Marco Ambrosio's brother. And I met Marco and then Marco introduced me to Pablo. And then Pablo and I went back and forth on email and I was like, this dude sounds awesome. And we got to talk. And Pablo, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. All right, man. Let's talk about stuff. Let's talk about all of it. Um, So, so for the the people, tell them what you do. Like, what's your you know? I read your intro. I've got that. But like, tell people like, what's the day to day look like for you on a on a regular old day?
1: So, I mean, the best way to kind of uh, encapsulate what I do and what my coaches do is we use physical movement as a way of you know eliciting change in the people we work with. And I know that seems like really broad and and maybe even maybe even like not specific enough. Like, what does that mean? Like physical change? Sure, of course, right? People are going to get healthier and faster and stronger. But the end goal isn't that. That is supposed to be a happy side effect Mm -hmm. of the fact that we're doing all this physical stuff. The real goal is that people are living whatever their best life is as they best define it. Um, You know, one of the things that every single person that works with us does is something I call the big six. The big six is six questions that we ask and that everybody has to answer. And the goal of the six questions is to give real sustenance, real form to what they believe their best life, best
0: self would be. Are you going to um, give us the six questions? Cause course, you know, course, I'm super course. interested right now. I want to know what those um, are.
1: And what's, what's, what's funny before I give you the six is that, you know, people think it's, it's, it's crazy. Like, they're like, Oh, you're the, you're the workout guy. What if like, you know, if I've got a guy looking to get into the NFL He wants me to drop his 40, increase his bench for the combine, maybe help him come back from an injury. He doesn't want to talk to me about what kind of dad he's going to be. Um, Same thing with mom, same thing with the high school kids we work with. And in my experience, it's the total opposite. Like you start going down that path and you make it clear that this is the way I do things and they buy in super quick. Um, And I've worked with, you know, Navy SEALs and, you know, these, these super macho tough guys and they're all in. They're like, no, no, yeah. You know, I, I want to be the best dad ever or I want to be yeah. the best operator
0: ever. And when you go
1: there, um, it's amazing how much everything else gets better.
0: So I'm, a, I'm 100% behind this. So like, um, you know, we, we've we only just met, uh, but in in all of the stuff that I do with the superhero Institute and all the stuff I'm trying to do with my coaching and my consulting is all about like, you have to understand your why you have to understand your deeper purpose, like the thing that's driving you, because that's going to give you that fuel, especially in times where you need to get back up. The resilience doesn't come from being lost in why you're doing it or going through the motions. It has to come from somewhere. So I'm a hundred percent in on this. I totally buy into it. Um, I actually um, have had a guy on the show is a friend of mine, Uh, and he works um, with uh, athletes, uh, star performers, actors, entertainers, people that are like in the spotlight. And he's a licensed therapist. And a lot of his work is really in this space of like, thinking about the the mental health struggles that they're going through and how how they tap into their greatness and how they how the pressures of doing those sort of things affects them. And so like, I'm 100% bought in on the idea that it's not just like your your, you know, muscle fibers that are moving there. It's, it's, everything connected so i'm 100 percent behind this so tell me about these six questions i want to know because i'm i'm going to be going through them in my own head about like no, you know, good other, I mean, that's you know.
1: that's why i want to put them out there as often as possible nice. um funny enough you say superhero i'm a giant comic book dork and have been since i was a little kid like i love comic books i remember in grammar school reading comic books and, and catching hell from the you know because i was also an athlete so i'd catch up and what are you reading i was like I'm reading spider-man or i'm reading the x-men or i'm reading and they'd be like really like you're not watching whatever like no <laughs>
0: oh my god listen like this show this stuff. is about to be like just this is all for me now this show is <laughs> is like a jeff episode so you can tune in if you want to go along with the geekery, but it's about to happen
1: oh no we'll go there like my yeah. i named my son logan shut up um, that's
0: what we're gonna name our so we have one child and, Same, we, one kid. and and uh, our, so I have a daughter and uh, we're planning to have a second. If it's a son, we're naming him Logan because Wolverine, obviously. Yep, exactly Although my right. wife, for my wife, it's because of Gilmore Girls because of uh, Logan is one <laughs> of the anyway. So we, it's like a dual meaning for her. It's Gilmore Girls. For me, it's Wolverine. That's Wolverine. amazing. So when my, when my wife was
1: picking names, she was like she was picking all these names. And I was like, I was like, what about Logan? And she was like, oh, I love that name. And I was like, yeah, me too. And then like after we already named him. She was like, why did you pick Logan? Because I'm Argentinian, Italian. Like there's no Irish in me whatsoever. She's Colombian. There's no Irish there either. Um, And she was like, why did you pick Logan? And I was like, well, you know, my favorite comic book character. That's amazing. Like I didn't like James, which is his actual real name. His real name is James Hewlett. And he takes the name Logan because he forgets his name. And it was a way of kind of, he took this name as his call sign, right? It was a way of hiding who he was because his name was a big deal in Canada in the whatever, 1700s, whenever he was born. Um, so he takes Logan as his name. And I love that name because I grew up wanting to be Wolverine. He was,
0: that's amazing. That my you just favorite went character that deep into the character. Oh no! no I, I, I'm I, so roll, happy about this. I
1: roll super deep. I listened to your, 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 uh, episode with my brother talking about Spider-Man. And I was like, oh, we're going to jive just fine.
0: Oh, uh, right on, right. On.
1: Um, so anyway, the six questions, the yeah. first question is if you're living your best life, if you're your best self, your current best self, what's going to be different at home? And when I say home, what I mean is the people you care and love the most. What's going to be different in those relationships? Are you going to be a better listener? Are you going to be more available to your kids? Are you going to be uh, a better son? Like with the people you love the most, what is different, right? Um, Question two is same framing. If you're living your best life and you're being your best self, what would be different at work? Okay. And now this work may be, if you're a housewife or a homemaker, it could be, you know, your daily responsibilities. If you're a student, it's at school. If you're an athlete, it's at practice. You know, the thing you do on a daily basis that you're responsible for, what would be different? What would be better? You'd start your own business. You'd have, you know, you get promotion, you'd get, you know, get things done quicker, you'd whatever it is. Right. But it should be tangible. It should be something real. Um, And then the third question is if you're living your best life, being your best self, how would you treat yourself better? So what would that internal monologue be? Would you be more forgiving with yourself? Um, would you be harder on yourself? Maybe you kind of let yourself slide a lot. You know, whatever it is, what would be different? And again, tangible. It can't just be this abstract. It has to be something that we can like stick our fingers into. Um, so then question four is with all of that in mind, what are three words, three adjectives you would use to describe your best life? Okay. Now, I don't actually care what the Webster Dictionary definition of these words are and I go out of my way to really make sure that's clear it's what these words mean to you and only to you I don't care if you say Snoopy right and Snoopy to you means loyalty and friendship okay cool it's Snoopy then like I just want to know what you care what those words mean the fifth question is you're going to now take those three words and you're going to create a mission statement for your best life your best self using those words and then all of that all of that Boils down to the last question, which is literally the name of the company, which is you are now going to create your axiom. And what, I, what I've kind of created this axiom to be is an I am statement. So I am something. And whatever that something is, has to be undeniably true and undeniably positive about you and must connect you back to your best life. And I'll usually give mine as my example, so that the people know, so you know, they they can get a, an idea. So, like my adjectives are power, um, their independence, and their um, oh my god, I'm forgetting my own. It's power, independence, and freedom. Right now, to me, power means the ability to elicit change, and I mean that both in myself and in other people. Right. the the idea of freedom is that I have a freedom to do the things that I really want to do. If I decided that, you know, it's a Wednesday, it's beautiful. My son's skipping school. I'm skipping work. We're going to the river. I have the freedom to do that. I've situated my life to have that kind of freedom and independence is that I get to choose where my energy goes. Nobody gets to tell me my, you got to put energy into this project. If that project doesn't speak to me, I'm not doing it. Right. So I then create a mission statement that my life will fulfill up, 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 up with those three words. And then my axiom is I am the example, right? I am the example to my son. So when I do things, I am the example. I have to example the behavior I want. When I'm with a client, I am exampling the behavior that I want. If I have to make a decision to do or not do something, I do it with the idea that the people who count on me are watching me do it right now. Right. Um, and you know, none of this is written in stone. They're supposed to create it once, and then we go do stuff, and we test the axiom. I want them to use the axiom in exercise and relationships and document. Did it work? Didn't work. Okay, why not? It wasn't undeniably true, or it wasn't undeniably positive. Okay, let's go back. Let's redo the six real quick. Boom, 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 boom. You know, people start off with something super generic, like I am powerful, and then it goes, well, uh, okay, I am determined. Awesome. Let's use that for a while. And then that doesn't work. And then, you know, over time, over the course of three months, four months, they come up with this really, really specific thing and it becomes theirs now. And the whole idea is that exercise is this super low stakes opportunity to hone this out. Because if the goal was to do 10 push push-ups and you fail on a given day, that's a good thing, not a bad thing. You know, the world's not going to change right? No one's going to, no one's going to die. No one's going to get sick. No one's going to hate you. Right. Um, So you got nine instead of 10. Cool. Let's find out why I got to get stronger. My axiom didn't work, whatever. But if we can use exercise to hone this, to really make it. So we have this like tool chest, this war chest of things that I can go to, to get me to do stuff that I don't want to do. Now I can use that in relationships in you know how I do with my wife, how I do with my you know my my son, how I do with my friends. Um, I want to have a con- like the the example of what I think is the highest stakes example that I give. You know relationships require energy and time and love and all of that. Well, it's easy to do that when everything's good. Okay, the hard part is let's do that when things aren't good. The person's getting on your nerves or they've done something that you really hate and you have to now have this very difficult conversation. Well, your best self has that conversation and hears what they're saying and makes sure they feel heard and gets your point across and you know, does all that. Well, to do that, you have to know what your best self is going to do. And when I have to have that conversation, I need to be the example. I need to do the treat this person the way I want to be treated in this moment, do this the way I would want my son to do this with their loved one. You know, that's where my head has to go immediately. So that I'm not reacting on my temper. I'm not reacting on my ego, right? on my fears and all the other stuff that uh, that just isn't going to benefit me in that moment. And like I said, exercise is an awesome chance to, to test it because there's no downside though. It didn't work. Great. We'll just try again tomorrow. Where if you mess up that conversation, that could have ramifications for the rest of your life. And that's not a good thing.
0: This is excellent. I I love every bit of this. I was going through in my head and I was answering all of them. I don't know if I should answer it or we're going. You can do, absolutely. We're going to do the mic swap later. I didn't know if you want to ask them. Oh later. yes, yes, yeah, that's so a great idea. Probably oh, save I have a bunch of questions us. for you then. Save yeah. It for them. Um, but I'm dude. I'm so into this for so many reasons. There's like there's so much of this that resonates with me. Every every year I do um, at New Year's. Uh, I do a post called My Three Words. And it was inspired by a um, blogger, social media personality, uh, consultant strategist named Chris Brogan. And he started doing it back in like 2006, 2008 or something like that. And I started doing it in 2013. And what you do is you pick your three words that are kind of like your words for the year. And those kind of set the tone, set the theme for how you're going to go about the year. So I've been sort of doing a little bit of a uh, like question for what are the three words you would describe your best life? It's like every year I'm trying to look at like what is – what is my best? What does my best life look like this year? And what are the three words I'm going to use to describe that? And I try to live that every single day. So I really appreciate uh, yeah. the concept of it. I also love the concept of just sort of like simple, um, I, I, like um, what were they called in? Um, uh, in, in, um, uh, the, that, the movie with Leonardo DiCaprio, Inception, they have oh. the totem, the totem, <laughs> yeah, right? The, the thing that It's like the thing to remind you of brings, like what you, you're, back yeah, what brings you back to what you're right? in
1: somebody else's mind. And exactly. I, right. like one, so, one of my favorite movies. I love it. It's that phenomenal.
0: Right. Another thing we get about, but so my thought is like the, the three words for me represents like a bit of a totem, right? So like when I'm feeling a bit lost, like, what is my year about? What are the things I need to remind myself about? Right. So for instance, this year, my my words are movement, pace, and preparation. So movement is is one, trying to build a movement of people that believe in this concept of a world with more superheroes in it and what it means to be a superhero and step up and take these sort of actions. Uh, as well as at the same time, movement is about me reminding myself to move, to to be active, to not let myself get lazy, to not let myself you know get overweight and get out of shape. I've been working with a trainer. So like, it's to remind good. myself, keep doing this, right? Uh, the pace is, I have a tendency to burn myself out. I have a tendency to like, I'm like a-, a a beagle with a bowl of food, I'll just keep eating till I'm sick. I'm like a greyhound on a course. I'll keep running until I collapse. Like, so I have to remind myself to, to keep a regular pace. And then preparation is, you know, to be prepared for anything. Good things can happen, bad things can happen. I've been on a string of like wins for a while, and I just have to be prepared for the idea that life doesn't work that way. So I am a huge fan of doing it in that particular way. I absolutely love the axiom. I absolutely, I think that is such an empowering way to. Um, to remind yourself of who you want to be without anything else. If all you had was that axiom, all the work that goes up to it gives it context and relevance. But just having that, I feel like is such a strong way of remembering how you want to move through life. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I use superhero. Like mine would inevitably be like, I am an aspiring superhero. And that would be my way of reminding myself, like, these are sort of actions I want to take the sort of person I want to be. I'm a huge fan of all of this. Let's talk about, let's talk about this in like practice, man. Like, so so walk us through a little bit of like real life examples. Walk us through like um, why. Let's actually go back to the exercise thing. Let's start there because um, I find exercise to be a bit torturous. I I I like hate it. My like two but I morning clients it.
1: would probably agree with you.
0: Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a morning person in general. But um, <laughs> yeah, so like when I go to the gym, I basically the 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 honest truth is every day before I go into the gym, I go twice a week. I go to the gym, and before both of my appointments. I am praying in my mind silently that my trainer <laughs> will call and will text me and cancel. Um, and then I walk through the doors and I'm like, okay, well, I'm here. I'm just going to do it. So I do whatever he tells me to do. And then that's that. But I, my point being of all of that is I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. I find it very strenuous and strongly. but I love the aftermath of it. I feel so good that I went and I did that thing that I hated. So how do you incorporate this thing that for some people it's like an addiction? Like I have to work out or I feel awful. I love working. Out, I love the heartbeat. Some people are like that. When my heart pounds and I get that heartbeat thing, the, the big, the big pulsing, it's just, I hate it. Um, How do you work with people who maybe are a bit more like me and who see the workout side of it as being like, well, can't we just sit down and talk about this? Like I get the concept. Can't we just talk <laughs> about why,
1: why do We're I have to like, lift things? Didn't you see yesterday's show? Let's watch that and set Let's So, believe it or not, like 80% of our client base are those people. And I actually go out and seek out those people. Uh. Um, I talk often about how I don't want exercise enthusiasts. I hate that term. Um, I am one of those people who enjoy working out. But I, what I tell my coaches, I go, that's because we're crazy. Like we're the minority here. The expectation can never be, do you want to go do this horrible thing and like, then do it again and then feel like you're (laughs) going to die? (laughs) <laughs> and then not feel like you're going to die. Let's go do that. Like that never, like anybody who goes sign me up, they're a little crazy. And that's, yeah. they, you can't expect people to want to do that. Um, I have a joke that I'll tell with clients as like an icebreaker to get them to kind of, you know, open up and, and be not so, Oh my God, I'm going to die today. I'd be like, have I ever told you the origins of uh, personal training and coaching? They'd be like, no. They go, well, the Geneva convention, you know, happens. Do you know what the Geneva convention is? And they'll go, yeah. Like, okay. So it happens and it outlaws torture. Right, you you can't torture people anymore, and uh, well now you've got all these dungeon masters and they don't have a job, you know they were torturing people now they can't torture people so they're like okay so I need a career where I can go to someone. Did that suck? Do you feel like you're gonna die? Okay, cool. Do ten more and let's add it (laughs) as a way. (laughs) Um, So yeah, it sucks and that's okay, right? So I actually talk to them a lot about once I've done the big six and we've kind of gone through all that I say. You know, believe it or not, exercise is more beneficial to you than it is to me, right? Because when I don't work out, I feel weird. When I don't do the things, I'm off. Um, There's this, it's easy for me to go do the workout. So, like a a parallel I'll give them is, you know, people talk about Michael Jordan having this incredible work ethic. He did, right? For sure. But his work ethic was incredible for me not because of the, the, the intensity at which he worked, was the fact that he was obviously gifted and blessed to be this amazing basketball player. And then even though that was the case, he had a crazy work ethic, okay? Um, people assume that because somebody's good at something or they work hard at something, they must be exhibiting discipline. I actually don't think that's the case. I think the people who don't have an inclination towards something and then go get good at it actually have the discipline that I'm talking about. So I talked to about. Look, I know you don't want to be here. I promise, I'm going to do my best to make it enjoyable. I'll get you to laugh a couple of times. Um, it's going to suck sometimes, but you will get something out of this. And most importantly, um, we're going to constantly be talking about why you're doing this. And I don't mean why like your shoulders going to be better or you'll get you know a six pack or whatever other stuff. I mean that's table stakes. We've already kind of talked about that. We're going to talk about using your axiom we're going to talk about you working towards these experiences that we've identified that are important to you that you like go so like the the classic example like the moment that was like a uh like a light bulb moment for me is i had a client years ago like 15 years ago like a long time ago big dude really gregarious six foot six like at the time he was like 290 almost 300 pounds um and like his job his, like, his job was he was like, and, I, and look, I don't I know nothing about the finance world and I don't want to know it. It's just not my world, right? But he basically, it sounded like to me is he played golf with rich people and got them to like be part of his bank. Like that's all he would ever talk about. Um, but he was the kind of guy that when he walked in a room, he everyone knew he was there. Pablo, he'd hug me and my face would just be in his belly button because I'm 5'5", five five, <laughs> I'm short. And he's huge and he's just a good dude. Um, and we were working together for a couple of months and generally speaking, I can get, people like 80% to 85% of what they want in like three months. And I talk openly about my job is to make myself unnecessary. My coach's job is to make ourselves unnecessary. If in three months, you can't do what I need you to do without me, I failed. Right? If you then want to continue coaching with me, that's great. But that's because you want to, not because you need to, right? Mm-hmm. There's got to be that differentiation. So with him, we're like, eight months in, Puts on weight, loses weight. Puts on weight, loses weight. Puts on weight, loses weight. We, we're just not making any headway. And I'm getting like super frustrated. I take this stuff real seriously. I, I get invested. I want to know what's going on. So one day he comes in and he's like 15 pounds up. And I got angry. I was like, Ken, what the hell? Like, you know, what's going on? And he told me what he ate. And I'm like, like, we talked about this. And, then, and I go, I don't want to take your money to just take your money. Right, If you're not going to do this, if we can't figure out how to communicate, just don't do it. Go, go get some guy who's just going to make you run in a circle, and you know you don't need me. I'm not cheap. You don't need me if you're not going to do what I tell you to do. So we started talking, and finally it kind of occurred to me. I was like, tell me why you want to do any of this, and don't tell me because you got to lose weight. I don't want to hear it. I know you do. Why? And it took a couple of whys, and then finally what I found out was that his father was a big dude. Six foot something, 300 something pounds. And in his 50s, he died of a heart attack. And he never got a chance to meet Ken's kids. Well, Ken's 50 something. He's, you know, hovering in the 300s. And he's having, his kids are now at the age where they're probably with the person they're gonna end up marrying and have kids with. And it was like, oh, I'm asking you to choose between Broccoli and French fries. And that's not the actual discussion. That's actually not the, the, the choice I need you making. Because who the hell picks broccoli every time? Right? What I'm really asking you to do is see your grandkids or not see your grandkids. And that's the framing. So I started saying every time you he came in and said, Ah, I didn't do the thing. I'm like, all right, cool. So you don't want to meet your grandkids. And he would just like get, I was like, dude we're not joking. This isn't like, Oh, I'm not going to do a push-up. You're going to die, man. Like you're, you're, you're working towards a heart attack here. And then I started learning how to frame it better and frame it yeah, better. That was pretty direct. Oh no. Yeah. I, and, and Kenny could take it. He's a tough dude, but like, and frame it. And then finally it was like his axiom ended up becoming is I am a great grandfather, even though he's not a grandfather. Dude. Yet. And it was like night and day. It was like all of a sudden he was eating the way I wanted to eat. He was showing up for workouts. He was losing weight. He was, it was like a different dude. And it, for him, it was that idea that he wasn't choosing between broccoli and, 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 and uh, 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 potato chips or, or, or French fries. He was choosing between his grandkids or not his grandkids.
0: Dude, that, was- that is so powerful and it is so freaking relatable. Um, when I work out, the thing that actually goes through my head is I need to be healthy to be able to stick around and watch my daughter grow up. Like, it's like, cause I hate it. And like, I would, I would, if, if like, if I didn't feel much better being healthier and more fit than I was like, then like, aside from that, like the main impetus for going there was like, look, I'm 41. Like I just had this daughter. Like I got to make sure that I'm able to stick around to like, you know, be there with her and get to spend time with her and protect her and, and coach her and like, see her grow up and be a well-rounded person. So that totally resonates with me. And it also made me think of when I quit smoking, um, I, I quit smoking cold turkey, which a lot of people would have trouble doing.
1: No, that's and hard. Partly,
0: it was just like I said, like, I'm just not going to smoke anymore. But what was behind all of that, literally, that was like in the background, not said out loud. But the thing that was kind of back there was I want to be able to be healthy so that when I remarry and have kids that I'm not going to get lung cancer when that kid is like, you know, 12 years old. I'm not going to do that to them. I'm not checking out early. I got to cut this out. Yeah, just not smoking anymore. And it's so interesting to think how getting at that root thing that somebody really does want instead of the thing that they're saying that they want, which is is in so many areas of our life, that is like such a, a profound way of going about it.
1: Yeah. And people, people don't change, at least in my experience, people don't change because they want to. People change because they have to. And yeah. I think that if you frame it right, if you get them in the right mind state, they'll see the have to because, you know, we're short-sighted beings as humans, right? Oh, you, yeah. You know? the fact that you were able to do the mental math and be like, I won't be around 30 years from now is huge because most people just don't do that math. Right. I mean, smoking will kill you. Everyone knows that. That is not like a contra you talk to anyone like, Oh yeah. yeah." Yet we still have smokers and it's not because those people are dumb or suicidal. It's that it's just short sighted. Right. It's It's also hard to quit. So I'm I'm talking about about that first cigarette, that first time you grab it and you smoke. Look, I fought for a living for a long time. Um, yeah, concussions are a thing. Yeah. Right. You know, I, I would meet, you meet guys when you're in the fight world all the time that are punch drunk and uh, uh, they have that like way of speaking. And it's amazing. The cognitive dissonance to never put yourself in that place and not realize I'm currently doing all the things this did, this dude did. Yeah. Right. You don't, you don't go there until you have to, for me, it was meeting my wife and suddenly deciding that I wanted to be a dad and being like, well, I don't want to be that guy when I have, cause I started doing the math while well, I'm 25. And, you know, I don't want kids right away, but let's say I have my kids at 30. Well, that's five more years of fighting. That means when they're 15, I'm 45. That's 20 more years of fighting. I was like, wait a second. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be that guy. Right. Where at the time before I met her, I was like, I, I, I thought in three month packages, you know, like I fight camps three months over. I'm healed up. When's the next fight? You know, because it's what I was thinking about all the time. I had did never, I had that, I, I never did the math of what's 20 years going to look like. Well, when I started putting it in that framework, it's, I changed because I have to. You know, do, am I going to tell you that I wanted to stop fighting at that point? Of course not. There are a few things on the planet feel better than a fight, than, than winning a fight, um, or worse than losing a fight for that matter. Uh, but it was a need. Like I, 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 my need to be a father and a good father was way stronger than my want to continue fighting. Just was like a no brainer. And look, I still train. I don't get hit anymore. I don't do any more, any sparring from a striking standpoint. I still grapple almost every single day, but there's no concussions there. I can, you know, my brain isn't taking the same beating. So, you know, I still get my Jones. I still get to do the combative stuff I like, but I'm taking care of myself now. I'm making sure my head's okay. I'm taking days off when I'm not feeling good. You know, I'm doing all the things to make sure I'm around. And most importantly, still my son's superhero. Like I'm at, he's nine. So I am at this age where like, Everything daddy does is amazing. Daddy's the strongest. Daddy could beat everybody up. Daddy, daddy, daddy. When he's 20, I still want him to have a piece of that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I get it. It's never going to be all of that anymore. It's, he's nine now, but I want to keep that for as long or as for the, some version of it until the day I'm no longer around.
0: Oh, I, I hear you. We have surrounded my daughter with superheroes. She, oh, can do sure. she does the Spider-Man hands now and again, and <laughs> it is the cutest thing I've ever seen. Every morning we pick out, I have a poster of all of the Avengers uh, lineups, and every morning we pick out our Avengers team. I have a superhero superpowers poster that has all the different superpowers mapped out. And oh, every day that's we, awesome. We pick out her superpower for the day. Um. So yeah, man, I'm I'm 100% around that, and, my- and her seeing me as a superhero is uh, hugely important. Epically
1: my son found out his name was derived from Wolverine and he was like five, four or five years old. And I remember he was looking at his, his hand. No, that's amazing. And He goes to my wife. He goes, mommy, when do my claws come in? <laughs>
0: no, dude, I'm dying right now. Dude, that's I was amazing. just like,
1: I was so happy. I was like, no, you're, they don't, you're not going to get claws. And he's like, well, why not? I'm, I have Logan's name. I go, yeah, you have his name, <laughs> but we don't have his powers. We're and really I sure You don't him, have his healing factor. Yeah, I was like, listen, trust Daddy would totally be down for that. Yeah, but that's no, hundred percent. I'd be very not, proud. Yeah, that's not that's not gonna happen. Um, no, the, the whole concept of superheroes and and that to me is huge. I actually actively talk with clients about their superpower.
0: Good. I was actually Um, just going to ask you about that because there's this fine line between heroism and villainy. Like you can teach people to be very, very powerful and to do all sorts of amazing things. then it's up to them how they utilize those powers. It sounds to me like based on the way that you do this, you're looking for like, really like, what is the best in people? How do you, I mean, even just framing it with like, if you're living your best life, it sounds like most of the people you would talk about that with would have noble aspirations. And you're talking about family and friends and loved ones and all those sorts of things. Um, but the, the same kind of process you're going through here, right? It could be used for various oh, sure. purposes, but I'm, I'm curious how you go about having those conversations, encouraging people to utilize this, to, to go out there and not just improve themselves, but also improve the relationships they have and go out there and make the world a better place. So like
1: I have a, uh, there's two parts to that answer. So the first part is when I'm talking to parents, I have a very specific quote I use and, and my coaches will hear me say this all the time because my, my coaches are generally exercise people, right? They have, they have, uh, you know, uh, bachelors masters in exercise. So these are exercise people. These are people who mm-hmm. have devoted a, a tremendous amount of time and now have now have their job be exercise. Um, and I'll talk to them a lot. i be like, when they, when they, when they're really not, especially early on when they're not buying into what I'm talking about, I'll be like, all right. So, um, who's the most important exercise guy and they'll talk about Arnold Schwarzenegger or some other people. I'm like, okay, cool. How many pushups could Mahatma Gandhi do? And they kind of get quiet. And I go, well, "How many squats? What was what was what was, uh, what was what was Martin Luther King Jr.'s max squat?" And they, you know, and I was like, "Who's Nelson Mandela's pull-up record?" And it's, it's you know, why you don't know that? Because it doesn't matter. And, like, and, and you know, to them, it's just like, "Oh my God, what do you mean it doesn't matter? It doesn't matter. It genuinely doesn't matter. How strong you are, how fast you are. If you're a crappy person, it doesn't matter, right?" Um, and that we can use exercise to actually help people become better people. So that's one part of that answer that I think is like super duper important.
0: Yeah. The
1: second is actually kind of goes into our we you know we can geek out a little bit is I love Marvel because the bad guys always actually have not always usually have these really noble intentions. Yeah. Right. Or a shred
0: of good in their backstory. Yeah. Yes. Well, like, or, like you could think understand about,
1: it. Well, think about Killmonger, and I know the move the MCU. Is is different than the comic book world. They yeah. definitely take some liberties, and I think they take actually some really good liberties and some not so good. But for the most part, I think they they err on the side of good. Um, like I love the fact that they go out of the way to make Thanos not wrong. He's going about it horribly but he's not wrong. Right. We, we have a limited number of resources. We've got to take care of people. If there's less people, yes, we'll probably come together. I love the fact that they actually lean into that in the winter soldier and the Falcon. Um, I love the fact that, you know, like killmonger, he's talking about, you know, not being a slave, not, you know, that this is not right. And, dah, 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 and that he will, he'd rather die on his feet. And I can resonate with all that. How he's doing it is horrible, mm-hmm. but there he's not wrong. So when I talk about helping people and giving them these power and and, and, I think, I really think that most, not all, most people really are good deep, deep down. Okay, most. Um, I work quite a bit with law enforcement and military for the martial arts and the, and the training. Um, and obviously with everything that's going on, you get to have these really intense conversations. Um, and I'm I'm pretty left, right? And, uh, and we'll have these conversations about, oh, cops and good and bad. and And one of the things that I, have found is that even the most staunch, like, you know, we're being attacked as police officers. I have yet to find one and they exist, right? But I haven't met them yet. That they're evil. It's coming from a good place. It's coming from this. I really want to help people. I became a cop to serve. Right. Um, I think most people have good aspirations. I think they get lost along the way. Um, and their ego takes over or they lose the sense of empathy or they they lose a sense of they start othering people and i think that the trick at least as far as i see it is to constantly be talking to people you don't agree with being around that other and then humanizing the hell out of them right and then realizing that ah you're just like me we put on pants we both love this we both love that we both can't stand being lied to like for the most part we're all pretty much the same. There's these things that we may not agree on, but most people are good. Um, and that the trick is to just remind them, right? So like with the kids, and if I see them doing something, high school kids, I see them doing something that is just not what they should be doing. I ask them, I said, you know, if, if I want you to think of a person you love the most in the world. And for them, it's usually their parents, but let's say the mother, I want them standing next to you while you do that thing. Are you still doing it? And like 99% of the people is like, well, I know. Right? Okay, so then why are you doing it? If you wouldn't do it in front of them, why are you doing it? Right? Like It's not your best self. Why are you doing it? Like to me, it's like, well, if I wouldn't do it there, I wouldn't do it here. Um, a typical one is I, we get a lot of kids who uh, you know, are, 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 they're not addicts, but they're making their way and the, they're making bad decisions in terms of drugs and stuff like that. Um, and one of my favorite kind of go-tos is um, if they have a younger sibling, is would you hand them the drug? Would you give them the blunt? Would you give them the pill? Would you give it to the kid? Would you give it to your nine-year-old brother and be like, here, oh, you wouldn't? Well, why not? If it's so great, why not share? It's because deep down they know they sh- this is not the right thing to do. And they just, people just need that reminding, that humanizing again, like, like stop with the discourse, stop with the, 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 the putting people in their boxes you know, humanize the hell out of this person you don't like or that you're about to do this thing to. And if you can still do it, either there's
0: an amazingly good reason or maybe you're not the person I thought you were. I right? It's such a good reminder because I, I definitely have a, a streak in me that um, very much like I, I've been in an argument for the past week and a half on LinkedIn on this comment thread about, uh, you know, rounding up a grade. It's just been like this like awful back and forth between Uh, A lot of different people. And I sometimes forget to humanize the other side or try to see from their point of view or like have a civil discussion. It just turns ugly. So, you know, I I think about that all of the time. And the thing that I struggle with, and this this partly intersects with the work that we do, but I struggle with the idea. I wonder, is everybody interested in personal growth? And, And- (laughs) yeah so 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 like i i so i agree on on the surface the surface of that i think is no i think some people are just kind of like comfortable where i am whatever i think deep inside everybody wants to be the best version of themselves i think everybody wants to reach their potential they don't want to feel like they're just phoning it in or wasting their life or missing opportunities so i think everybody inside of them has this desire to grow into the best version of themselves i think that's there i think i just get really um Confused why it's not more at the surface for everyone. And that's partly because my personality type by nature, like if, if I look into my like Enneagram and stuff like that, like I am, I am like my, my, my desire for self improvement is at like the top of the scale. It's like a 20 out of 20. I just want to constantly learn more skills, get better, be able to make more impact. Like that's all my stuff. Right. So I have a hard time understanding when I, I remember I went to a party, um, like a barbecue, a friend of mine house. I was talking with this guy and I had just started my company like a couple years ago and I was like I want to change the world I <laughs> like I had all these big grand aspirations. I was talking to this guy about his work and he was like, "Yeah, pretty much just want to like go into work, do my job, come home. I don't really care about what I do. I make enough money, it's fine." And like he just was so very blasé about like his role and even like what he talked about coming home, he just wanted to like relax and enjoy his time with his family. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any of that. Enjoying what you do, great. Uh, enjoying it enough that is, getting paid enough, great. Spending time with your family, friends, relaxing, great. But like the lack of the drive to push forward and do another thing, I I find um, puzzling. And I'm wondering if you've found any secrets to unlock it because your work seems like it's really about I mean, especially with exercise, you're trying to engage people in an activity. They don't want to do. They don't want to do. Like, I'm not talking about like learn to speed read. I'm talking about like, you know, lift this heavy thing and it's painful. It sucks, right? So what's your take on like the whole personal growth thing? Like, do you think that it's available in everyone? Do you think everybody cares about it deep inside? Have you found a way to unlock it?
1: I think it's a two-part answer. I think the first part is to, you got to meet people where they're at, Um, you know, I'm very much like you in that regard. I, I, don't, I don't half-ass anything. I just i am not good at it. I, it, I find that when I when I catch myself not doing something to the best of my ability, there's a reason.
0: All right, can all I, I right. ask you a question? Are you like an all or nothing? Because I'm like, a, if I'm going to do it, I'm going, I'm going to do it everything I got. I'll but, give if you, I, but if I'm going to half-ass, then I'm probably just not going to do it at all.
1: I, that's exactly where I'm okay. going with that. So yeah. like, I'll give you an example. I love to cook. Uh, Marco and mine's mom had her own restaurant. She really can cook exceptionally well. And I love to eat, and I learned pretty early on that if I love to eat good food, I better learn how to cook it. Um, So I bought a grill. So when I say that to people, people go, oh, you bought a grill. So what? I go, no, you bought like a $200, $300 gas grill. I went and got a steel Parisia wood-burning grill from Brooklyn, handmade, and I saved up for months to go buy it because it makes the food amazing. But it also takes- two hours longer to cook because you got to make your own coals and this is whole thing. Why? Because if I'm going to grill, I'm going to grill. I'm not going to just yeah. buy charcoal and throw it in a thing or turn on a gas light. I'm going to go all out. I'd, I'd rather than just, just not grill then. I'd rather just go put it on the oven. What's the difference? Right? So that's my personality, but I have a lot of clients, so that's not the case. Right? So I find that I have to meet them where they're at. And then I can't allow my expectations of me to be put on them. So like, let's take this guy you met. You know, he's very happy just kind of having a whatever job and going home and spending time with his family. What I would then kind of explore with him if he was working with me, isn't how to get him more ambitious at work or any of that stuff. like, obviously your family's really important to you. Awesome. Are you the best possible dad you can be? Like, there's no chance for you to be better. No, I, like, nobody's the best. In it. okay, cool. Where could you be better? You know, maybe I could have more energy to play with my kid outside because I'm tired a lot. Okay, great. You know how you get more energy? Let's go work out. Nothing crazy. Let's start off simple. Let's get you eating a little cleaner. Let's get you literally more energy, or I'd be a little bit more patient with my wife. All right, let's find out why, why why don't, why don't you, why don't you have patience? There's this under, you know, this is thing that we haven't talked about. All right. How do you have that conversation? Well, you get good at having bad conversations. Okay, cool. Let's go do this thing that you hate, (laughs) get you good at doing this thing you hate and teaching you how to do things you hate. And then you can go have this conversation. Like, it's about figuring out what's important to them and then just asking them, where is the growth possible? And not assuming that you know, because look, could I have guessed if I met the guy? Probably, but that doesn't do him any good. He's got to figure that out. So like a part of my business is inside of doctor's offices where we create these communities virtual inside the doctor's office where the doctor's like the single like the, the person in the community. I put coaches there and the idea that we're helping their patients kind of be healthy right? They learn how to exercise and learn how to eat right. We make it communal. So they're supporting one another. This idea of learning in public, they're all like, everybody's doing it in public. It is, it's, it's like, think, think social media, but it's not open. It's a, it's a walled garden. It's just these people. Right. Um, And what you find out real quick is that for a lot of these people, the ambitious thing to do is be able to go on a hike and not be out of breath. And while for someone like me who trains twice a day every day, I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah, okay, cool. That's the thing. Then let's get after that thing. And then once we accomplish that thing, let's see where that takes us. That may take us to working out every day. It may not, right? But no assumptions on my part. No assumptions on the coach's part. We're going to go wherever you want to go. And I'm, my only job is to be your fellow traveler. I'm not a sage. I'm not the guy on the hilltop. You know, hum, you know, um, and I have all the answers. The opposite. I've screwed this up so many times. It's just that I've been down this road more often than you. So I know where some of the bumps are, I know where the line comes out. Like, let's just let's just kind of get there.
0: I, I keep thinking that there's so many different applications for this. And I and in my head, I, I'm thinking, I'm imagining you working out with an individual. And my thought that keeps recurring for me is like, how can this apply? To working with businesses. So I'm thinking about some of the big brands I've worked with in my in my career, and imagining going in there and like running some sort of like a, a workout program that everyone's gonna dislike in order to work out some sort of a culture issue or leadership issue or yeah. uh, a marketing challenge that they're having. I'm just imagining like, what are the logistics of such a thing. Well, but we I, used to I, run- I clearly see the application of it.
1: Do you know what the ropes courses are? Do you remember ropes courses? Like they were big in like the 90s and early 2000s. Nah, I never did any of those. When I worked at Rutgers, I worked at Rutgers for a long time. I went to school there and then I ended up working there.
0: Which one, New Brunswick or Camden? New New Brunswick. Okay, cool.
1: Um, And I used to help out Uh, I was, you know, part of one, part, part of my job is I got certified and helped out with the ropes course there. And the ropes courses are basically these team building.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, you got to get over a wall, there's some trust falls and different
1: things. Yeah. Um, Now ropes courses, the, when the, the the certificating body for this one are like big ropes courses, like there's a 20 foot wall and you got to get over the 20 foot wall as a group Or there's a giant seesaw and you got to get everybody from one side of the seesaw to the other side of the seesaw without it touching the ground. Like it's like high level stuff. Um, and what I learned from there is that physical exertion, whether it's push-ups or the seesaw idea, it's so basic. It's so, it, it gives you instant access to your deepest you know, insecurities and fears and all this crap that it makes, it, it cuts through the red tape where if we had to talk through this or do a cerebral thing, there's, you have already all these walls go up. But if you exhaust somebody or put make somebody super uncomfortable, they go away because this isn't a situation that they've ever been in before. They don't have the pre, you know, the, the pre set up defense systems, and you see yeah. things come out that you wouldn't normally see come out. People help each other out and they humanize each other. And, like, you know, Elaine from accounting doesn't suck so bad because you see her terrified to go over the wall or the opposite. She was the boss, man. She was like, oh, no, no, you're going to get on my knee and I'm going to shift you up. And you're like, wow, Elaine's actually pretty dope. She's cool. You know what I mean? Like it puts people in that scenario where it, it suddenly they get to see who they really are. Um, I think it's super important. I look, I have a whole other part of this where I talk to clients and coaches, mostly coaches, because we I try not to like be too heavy-handed on this stuff with the clients. We try to like weave it in the background. But there's this whole dichotomy between discomfort and discipline. And the way I define discomfort, the way we define it as a company is discomforte, like without strength. So discomfort are moments of weakness, right? Where you don't have it, you don't think you can do it. And discipline is simply acting on your principles and not on your fears. So what you're supposed to do is actually seek moments of discomfort, go find those things, and then apply discipline to get past them. Um, where these physical things are the same thing. You know, you're know, you going over that seesaw, super uncomfortable. You're gonna feel weak. You're gonna feel like you're off balance. You're gonna feel like you're gonna fall. Um, the discipline is to be like, okay, in this scenario, I gotta trust, again, just to pick somebody, a lane from accounting. Um, I'm going to trust Elaine from accounting because that's what we said we were going to do. And even though my fear right now is Elaine's going to screw up and I'm going to fall, I'm going to trust her anyway. And being able to build that, that, that ability to say, I'm going to do it even though I'm scared or even though I'm uncomfortable, or even though I feel weak, um, is like, to me, the trick of doing anything. And then the axiom is just your opportunity to remind yourself
0: why the discipline is important in the first place. Dude, I love it. I Here's the thing. I could talk to you for like the next like seven hours. I feel like we're so on the same page. I find you so freaking interesting. And, and you're making me think about a lot of the different things that I'm trying to do in my business and, and different things. So I think you and I have to definitely continue a conversation offline. Uh, we are running up against the end of our time here. So what I want to do is give you an opportunity to Uh, talk about yourself, share where people can get in touch with you, where they can learn more about you, where they can hire you, where they can go and go through the Axiom program with you. Uh, The whole thing, like anything you want to talk about, this part of the show is yours. And then um, I I did the same thing with Marco, uh, but apparently the Ambrosio brothers are both freaking phenomenal. And I would invite you to come (laughs) back anytime you want. So uh, I I would love to have you back in the future. This was an absolute blast for me. So promote yourself, have fun.
1: Um, so in terms of, uh, I'm right now I'm looking for coaches. So I would say the most important thing I could say is if you're interested in doing, um, the kind of coaching we've talked about today, yes, you know, absolutely. You must have the science down. you got to know how to work people out. That's table stakes, right? That's Where are just... you located by the way? So, um, we're located, I basically, I'm inside other institutions. So okay. I have one site inside of Pennington, New Jersey. I have another site in New Hope, uh, Pennsylvania and I have another site in Pensburg. Um, however, the doctor site is all virtual. So I'll be building a fairly big virtual uh, uh, client list soon, and then obviously these physical spaces. Um, If you're interested in doing either virtual work or physical coaching, um, and this what we're talking about resonates, you can contact me at uh, P Ambrosio at pscfit.com. I'm sorry, psc.fit, and then the website is psc.fit. That will be changing hopefully soon, but right now it's psc.fit.
0: Well, I'm sure you'll do a 301 redirect. So in case anybody's listening to us later after it's changed, it'll all be good. And I'll put all of that stuff in the show notes. So if you're listening and uh, you have found Pablo phenomenal as I have, uh, that you can go and find him just by swiping to wherever the show notes are and whatever your podcast app is. Dude, this was so much fun. I'm so glad that uh, we got connected and we got to do this. So uh, I know we have uh, a couple other episodes we're going to do together. So that's pretty cool. So uh, people can tune into those. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate you coming back and listening to another episode of Shareable. Uh, This has been Jeff, your host, with uh, Pablo Ambrosio, my guest. And um, this episode was phenomenal. And I guess if I had to describe it in one word, I guess I would probably say Shareable. Wait, don't leave. If you've never listened to my fancy outro, do it just once for me please okay if you enjoy shareable and you find it valuable there's a few ways that you can support the show one you can share it on social media which i strongly encourage i mean it's literally the name of the show shareable two you can review it on itunes stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts and if you're an overcast user as many of my listeners are make sure to click that star button on the episodes that you like The third way that you can support the show is by blogging about it or discussing it on your own podcast or even by making a YouTube video where you talk about one of the episodes. And then the final way that you can support the show is by supporting it directly on Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes. Now, before I let you go, I want to tell you about one other thing.